It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome to Sportsbeat After Hours, the Spooky Edition. I'm your host, Hemahemuli Jr., and joining me as always, the local lovable Canuck from the Great White North, Zachary Q. Hicken. It's actually Zachary A. Hicken. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, spooky. Uh, let's talk about Mike Conley shooting. That's something that's been spooky. <laughs> yeah. Hey, yo. Whoa, 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 whoa. Uh, no, uh, glad to be back. This is, um, I put it out on Twitter the other day. This is my favorite time of year, Hema. Yes. Uh, we started the high school state playoffs this last week on Friday. The Jazz tipped off their season on Wednesday. We still got college football galore going on. Mm -hmm. NFL is still like only like a third of the way through the season. It's nuts. And NWSL championship. Oh yeah, that was today. MLS playoffs. That, uh. The LAFC LA Galaxy game the other night was nuts, and we got the World Series to like cap it all right. off. Even though on Sportsbeat After Hours this year we are um, protesting the World Series, I don't know. <laughs> I haven't been paying attention to it. My dad actually called me the other day. Funny story. He goes, "Hey, what do you think of that World Series game the other night?" I go, "What?" You're like, um... uh, "There was a World Series game." He's like, "Yeah, it was great, man. The Nationals." <laughs> Well, not so much about the Nationals anymore. They're trailing 3-2 to the Astros. But I have been boycotting the uh, MLB postseason. Because of the Astros? No, because of the oh. Red Sox, man. I, <laughs> they've been awful. So I just kind of put baseball behind me, and I just put my full focus on college football and the NBA. and I get that. Just turn my attention towards that. Because why would I just want to ruin my time? Like, we already spend so much time that we have to we have to dedicate towards sports. Right. I'm not going to spend my leisure time punishing myself. <laughs> I mean, we talked about it earlier today when we were producing our show, Sports Beat, on Sunday nights on Channel 5, KSL. Um, I was like, man, I'm so sick of looking at this computer screen. So sick of looking at these plays. Yeah. Like, it, it's the greatest time of the year, but also it's like the easiest time of the year for us to burn out. <laughs> um, it does happen, but luckily... We got some teams doing really well right now, so that's fun to watch. I mean, two years ago was just brutal. Yeah, like, yeah, two years. Well, last year. Last year was pretty brutal, too. But two years ago was bad. I wasn't on, officially on board at that time, but, yeah, it's, uh, I don't know. We're, we're kind of on the forefront of, like, a couple special things from yeah. some teams. Um, In fact, with all our sports coverage going on, Hema mentioned we, we produced uh, – 
sports beat on KSL Five TV today. Also, make sure you guys check out KSLSports.com. Follow us on Twitter at KSL Sports at SB After Hours. Same handles on uh, Instagram. Uh, check out our YouTube channel. Download our app. We have a KSL Sports app. Basically, like anywhere that you could go to go find sports coverage, mm-hmm. like KSL has you covered. Um, we are just killing it right now on our coverage. Um, we got three people covering the jazz for uh, KSLSports.com. Uh, it's it's been awesome. We we are killing it with TV. We are at every game, every home game, excuse me. Um, but yeah, it's been fun. And uh, in fact, we want to talk about the Jazz today because let's go. As we mentioned earlier, they tipped off their season on a Wednesday. Um, and uh, it's been kind of an interesting adjustment with this Jazz team. A lot of new faces. A lot of really high expectations. Mm-hmm. They struggled in the preseason especially on the defensive end. Yeah. They were, were what, 0-4 against NBA teams, but then, you know, the regular season comes around, and they buckle down a little bit on defense. They only allowed Mm -hmm. 12 points in the first quarter against Oklahoma City. Now, let me say this. Oklahoma City is putrid. (laughs) They are not not a good team. And so there are some concerns, even though the Jazz got the win, there are concerns with what happened in that game. Number one, Mike Conley's shooting. Ugh. He was one for 16 from the field. Woof. Now, you know, what they say, it's a huge cliche, but when you start from the bottom, when you're at rock bottom, the only way you can go is up. Oh, by the way, I saw this really funny meme the other day when it was when Mike Conley was doing horrendous, and this kind of goes with the spooky season theme we've got going on. Um, it's like a picture of Freddy from Scooby-Doo. With like one of the bad guys tied up, and it's Mike Conley's face on the bad guy. Oh no! And then Freddie pulls off the mask of the bad guy, and it's actually Ricky Rubio. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> Which was hilarious. Um, I love Ricky, but yeah, from three, Mike did not do very good. And even the next game, he wasn't very good. Yeah, he struggled the next game. I don't think he hit his first shot against the Lakers until the third quarter. But um, I don't know. It just. The team looked out of sorts um, as a whole. They, as a whole, their defensive. I mean, Rudy Gobert. His he didn't fill up the stat sheet on Wednesday against Oklahoma City. He impacted every single shot in the paint. Yeah, he. Um, I think uh, Stephen Adams only had like two points from the field. Yeah, which is just nuts because Stephen Adams is he's a max player. He's a really I, I really good like player. Stephen Adams. You he's like your favorite non jazz player. Yeah, in the NBA. he's, he's uh, I stand Stephen Adams, and I kind of feel the same way about him. But um, they struggled defending the outside shot. Danilo Gallinari, Chris Paul, uh, Shea Gilgis Alexander all just made it rain from the mm-hmm. outside. So they struggled defending on the perimeter, um, and. Yeah, a lot of things seemed out of sync, but there there are a lot of things that I like. And it's kind of continued to develop over the last couple of games. Mm-hmm. Bojan Bogdanovic is a player. I mean, he's a guy that can he can uh take the ball full length of the court. Yeah. Drive and switch hands and make an offhand layup, you yeah. know. Uh Jeff Green. Man, what a what a Insane. great signing, especially for a guy that's coming off the bench. Um he adds a lot. Royce O'Neal, really love what we've shown from him. I mean, he's like the yes. fourth scoring option out of the starting lineup. And he's still great. Um, and then Donovan Mitchell, that's the thing that I really want to talk yes. about and hit hard is uh, Donovan, 
was sensational. That's that's exactly what Jeremiah Jensen said on Wednesday after the game. Donovan was sensational. He took another step during this offseason and getting that time with Team USA and playing under Coach Popovich and with all these veterans and playing mm-hmm. against the best teams in the world. Yeah, Team USA struggled in, right. in the FIBA World Cup. But you know what? Donovan learned and blossomed and grew so much. There were moves that he was putting together. Like, he's taken like three or four steps in his offensive game. He's already a really good yeah. offensive player. But those spin moves that he was doing and the switching hands, mid-air, switching hands yeah. midair is just something that we didn't really see from him consistently. He's been so efficient in his scoring and um, his shots look great from the outside. Yes. He's, I mean, so far he's making a case he's an all-star. Like, he's, yes. he's a lock. He's not a borderline all-star in the West. He's a lock to make an all-star team this year. And then Rudy... Um, I mentioned that he kind of stuffed the stat sheet. Well, he didn't stuff the stat sheet. But it's been really interesting to see the change because he was kind of like... So Joe Ingles was like the Jazz second scorer mm-hmm. in a lot of situations last year. Now he's like, out of all the guys that they have, he's like somewhere between third and fifth, depending on who's out on the floor. Yeah, Rudy, out of that starting lineup, you know, you got Donovan, Bojan, Mike Conley... And then Royce or uh, Joe or Jeff Green, uh-huh. and then Rudy is number five. Yeah, Rudy still is a phenomenal dunker. Like, and he can run the pick and roll extremely well. I think him and Mike Conley and him and Joe are going to find that mesh and they're going to work really well together. Yes. In the pick and roll, they kind of struggled with it the first couple games, mm-hmm. um, but I think once they get that going, and the Jazz have more of a presence in the paint out of their starting five, it's just going to open up more things. You're going to see more uh, drives to the hoop from Bojan because he's been really good with that. Um, And it's just going to open more things up in the lane for Mike and uh, Donovan. Yeah. And I I feel exactly the way you do. One thing that I do want to bring up, though, that that I feel like we need to mention, too, is just the depth of the team is already showing, and it's great news for us. Everyone's getting on the court. George Niang is getting on the court, albeit if he's getting felt up by uh, Dwight Howard. Dwight Howard. <laughs> oh, that was uh, that um, was something. But George Niang, uh, Moutier, like doing damage, getting points. It's it's so nice to see us. Like basically, I don't remember who said this, but the Jazz at the beginning of the season are doing like line changes, like hockey, where like they'll just bring out five brand new people mm-hmm. and. Uh, it's so great to see. And um, they need to get these valuable reps because, like we said earlier in one of our other podcasts, if the Jazz are going to hit the over of, like, 54 games, 54 wins this season, and make a deep run in the playoffs, they're going to need that deep bench to be productive, and that starts with them getting a lot of reps now, which they are. So uh, really cool um, showings from the Jazz, even though we didn't beat the Lakers. Yeah, and, you know, that Lakers game was weird because, like, Conley struggled again, and then they just really had a hard time stopping the LeBron AD show. But the main thing was just they were really sloppy with the basketball Mm -hmm. um, and a lot of turnovers. I think at one point they had, like, 17 turnovers and 14 made baskets or some crazy stat. Can't remember exactly what it was, but that was, like, in the third quarter. And so that was just – it was frustrating to see that just with all the expectations that we had – 
for the Jazz to realistically compete in the West. And I don't think that that is any indication on in how they're going to perform against the top teams in the West. They're going to get another tough challenge Wednesday when they host the Clippers at home, and then they yeah. actually turn around and place the Clipper, play the Clippers again on Sunday. But um, one thing that I really liked from Saturday's game against the Kings was that the Jazz were making the, the extra pass. Mm-hmm. We saw what can happen, and they were missing Bojan against the Lakers. That was a sure. big miss for the Jazz because you got to make up for 18 to 22 points scoring, um, and he came back from the starting lineup um, on uh, on Saturday against the Kings. It was sensational. Again, 26 points. I think 23 came in the first half. He was hitting it from outside. Um, he could, again, he can drive. He can get other players involved. Having a guy like him makes a big difference for the Jazz and what they're able to do offensively. Yeah. And so... Um, they play Phoenix tonight. If you guys are listening Monday, they're on the road against Phoenix. No DeAndre Ayton. Phoenix is, I believe, 3-0, and 2-1. and And the Suns just had a big win against the Clippers um, Saturday. So, uh, yeah, not, not an easy task for the Jazz, but um, it's, it's the kind of, uh, they're the kind of games that you want to see what your team is made of. And so it'll be... Good to see Donovan go against Booker, um, and just I'm excited to see what happens. Um, yeah, and the thing that's been really interesting about the Suns, so um, they uh, <clears throat> they've never really had a great point guard playing alongside Devin Booker. Right, it's been Devin all by Yeah, yeah, he's been like the primary ball handler and taking care of things. I think Ricky Rubio kind of adds a new dynamic to this team. Um, and what he's able to do, open things up for Booker. Um, doesn't look like he actually played against the Clippers, but um, a lot of people from Phoenix were just mentioning, and even nationally, people, national pundits, were just saying that they like the addition of Ricky Rubio and helping Devin Booker grow as a player. And so that's mm-hmm. going to be an interesting development to see. I don't know what Rubio's status is for the game today, um, but... I'm excited to see Ricky again because yeah. I, I miss him. He was my favorite player on the draft Ricky's last great. year. And he's just he's a good ambassador for um just being like a good person in the NBA, giving back to the community and being involved and so yeah. It's gonna be good to see him again. Um but yeah, I I here's a question I have about the Jazz. Okay. What do you know and what do you think you know that you actually don't know about what, this team? What do I think So it's I know. two things. Okay. What do you know about this Jazz team that's going to hold steady throughout the year? Okay. And then what do you think you know that you actually don't know that's going to change your perception throughout the year? Man, that's a good question. Uh, okay, maybe just off the top of my head. I know that this Jazz team, as far as like players goes are very talented, mm-hmm. every single one. Um, and I think that's going to be consistent through the season. But what I don't know, which is what I think most of Jazz Nation are excited for, what makes the season so special, is we don't know where the ceiling is for these guys. We don't know where the ceiling is for even like Mike Conley, for example, a guy that we know is talented and great, but he just never had like a gr- really great team behind him. So we don't know what his ceiling is. 
Donovan's ceiling, we have no idea. We just ex- expect him to take the next step. Um, Rudy's ceiling, we don't really know where that is either because he just keeps getting better every year. So, um, I don't know. That would probably be my two answers to your question. Okay, so here's I, – I like what you said because um, I definitely think that this team has a lot of talent. Uh but that's actually something that I think I know that I don't actually know. That so you don't think you don't know if they're talented. I know that they're talented. I don't know if they're talented as a collective group and able to play together and put it together. Does that make oh, sense? Interesting. Just okay. because they come from so many different systems, um, I don't know that it's gonna necessarily translate immediately to the court and mm. to results. Um I expected the Jazz to be four and entering that game against the Clippers on Wednesday. Uh-huh. They're not gonna be. They're gonna be at best three and one. Um, and so that's just something that I think I know, but I actually don't know. But the one thing that I do know is that Donovan Mitchell's really good. Oh my goodness. Yeah. He's amazing. Yeah. Um, I think, I, I, I still think it's a little too early to tell, but I think Donovan is really close for me to say that he has made that next step. I think his game has become more consistent, more like you said, efficient. And that was like mm-hmm. a big question going into the season is can Donovan be more efficient? He's going to take 30 shots a game or whatever. Can he make 48% of that? Well, and he needs to go to the line more, which we've seen. We saw that against, um, he had four free throws against the Thunder and I think 10 against the Lakers, if I remember right. Yeah. But and, then he didn't go to the line at all against the Kings, but he was and, very limited in his minutes because it was a true. blowout. So. And, that, and that's the thing is like we... That's like another aspect of his game that I think we're waiting for too. Yeah, for him to be a super like a complete player, but he's well on his way. So, um, yeah, even if we did lose against the Lakers, I still think as a whole the Jazz are getting better this season. Are better are a better team than they were last season. All right, Emma, I like it. I'm excited to see um, what happens this next week. But mm-hmm. uh, we got to take a quick break. Okay, when we come back. I'm going to tell you why Mike Conley's shooting struggles are actually a good thing for the Jazz. (laughs) I like it. And uh, when we come back, if the NBA coaches were a bowl of Halloween candy, I'm going to tell you why Quinn Snyder is a peanut butter Snickers. Coming up next. Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story the struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow the letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Emma, so do you think we need to adjust our expectations for the Jazz this season? Uh, no. Okay. I'm going to say no. Okay. Because I think it's good to have these high expectations, especially for a team that you think is going to have a, a special season. Um, I think the coaching staff and the players have high expectations of themselves, and that's why they're able to take such a, a big step this season. 
um, in the off season coming into the season. So uh, I'm going to say no, but I don't, I don't really know. What do you think? I, I think we do need to slightly adjust these expectations just because we've seen basically three different teams, the three games that they played. Yeah. Um, and like I said, I, I don't think that this team has an identity yet. Sure. And it's probably going to not be until December or January that they really have that identity. It needs to be established before the All-Star break because they're going to, sure. like they have the last couple of years, they will make a run after the All-Star break. Um, but if they really want to have a special season set themselves up for postseason success, then it needs to take place well before the All-Star break. And they need to be entering the, the All-Star break as a, probably a top five seed in the West. I think I think I agree. Um, I don't disagree. I think that Jazz fans just need to not panic. Um, I think you're right that they do need to establish an identity, but you can see Quinn Snyder like trying a bunch of stuff out. You know, like mm-hmm. uh, he's working the pick and roll. He's also working on a lineup that's just sharpshooters. You know, it's just he's. I think he finally has a squad where he can make a lot of ideas happen, and he's gonna at first throw a bunch of different ideas out on the floor and see what it does and see how it does. Um, I think Quinn Snyder is a genius. And so I think, you know, start like before the all-star break, he's going to have it dialed in. He's going to know what works. Hopefully Mike Conley has got, has gotten his rhythm back. Um, but you know, we got Donovan steadily improving that, which is a good sign. Mm-hmm. Boyan is an instant playmaker. So it's Jeff green. Like, so I, I think don't panic. Uh, jazz fans. If we, lose a couple or if you see sporadic offenses during the season i think it's just quinn snyder getting creative cooking up the what's the cooking sauce. with quinn <laughs> well, it's thick in the it's in the thick of the sauce uh well you know it is scary to think of the jazz with this amount of talent super that scary. they have it's super scary in fact <laughs> it's so scary that i think someone needs to go as the jazz starting five for Halloween, <laughs> Hema, I think we could round out two of those five. I call Donovan. Oh, dang. Just kidding. I look more like uh, probably Bojan. <laughs> I would love to be Joe Ingles, but <laughs> I couldn't be more opposite of yeah, Joe Ingles. Yeah. Um, um, I couldn't be more opposite of Rudy, to be fair. <laughs> but uh, with it being spooky season, uh, we got Halloween coming up on Thursday. Um, we wanted to bring back something that we did last year. Uh it's the Sports Beat After Hours Scary Stories Ooh. segment. Um, and so basically what we're going to do, we're going to take turn telling ghost stories or like scary things okay. that ha- have happened to us or friends or the stuff that we know. Yes. Um, or spooky tales that we've heard. Okay. Uh, we've been trying to do this from the Devereaux Mansion. Yes. Okay. This has been in the works for years. But we keep getting shut down because they won't let us go in there. Yeah. But explain to the good people why the Devereaux Mansion. What is the Devereaux Mansion? Okay, so um, KSL Broadcast House is located at the Triad Center. It's right next door. For those of you who are familiar with the downtown Salt Lake area, or next time you're up in downtown Salt Lake and we need to take a tour, yep. uh, we are right across the street. We are just north of Energy Solutions, or excuse me, Vivint Smart Home Arena, oh, wow, De- Delta Center, <laughs> um, what have you, where the Jazz yeah. play their games. Okay, uh, and so there's a lot of folklore that goes on with the Triad Center. Um, Ooh, yeah. With uh, 
how it was funded for. Um, some uh, we got to. <laughs> uh, Can we not say that? I didn't hear anything. I didn't um, hear anything either. But anyway, uh, so how it was funded, um, what some of the symbolism in the building is, mm-hmm. um, and then part of it too is that this was built on uh, property that was owned by pioneers that came here with like Brigham Young. Yep. And part of that property is the Devereux Mansion, which still stands. It's on the very south side of the Triad Center property. Yep. It's a beautiful mansion. Um, we have work events there all the time. Mm-hmm. They'll have like ice cream parties or like little dessert things or get togethers or lunches over at the Devereux Mansion because it's one of the few places that can kind of house everyone that works in in Broadcast House. But um, it's haunted. <laughs> it is like occupied it's in more ways than one. Yes. Well, and this is this is from a reliable source too. So we were talking to a security guard actually on Thursday. He's and, been here for years. Yeah. So, and we've heard rumors about it for a long time, whispers in the dark and yeah. and the such. Um, but supposedly, so the security guards sweep the building of the broadcast. Well, they, house. they they sweep the entire property of Triad Center. Yes, which extends to the Devereux Mansion. Yeah, and BYU Salt Lake. Mm-hmm. Just so you guys kind of have an idea. It's a very big area that they have to cover. So we're we're down at BC Cafe. Uh, which is part of LDS Business College, uh-huh. um, and in walks the security guard, and he's like, he's just like, man, he's like, I, okay, dude, dude's eating a burger and drinking a chocolate milk for lunch, yeah, for one, for one thing, yeah, <laughs> he's like, man, I got the heebie-jeebies right now. I was like, what's going on? And he's like, I got goosebumps all back in my neck, and I'm like, dude, what is going on? Like, yeah, why did something happen? Like, are we in danger? <laughs> When a security guard tells you that he's spooked, that's usually not a yeah. good thing. But he's like, oh, yeah. He's like, I was just over at the Devereux Mansion. You heard about that place? I was like, yes. Oh, yeah. Please tell us. Like, tell I was us like, what, what happened? happened to you? And because he's like, it's just another confirmation of what we already know. Yeah. He's like, man. He goes, I go in there. I do my sweep. Make sure that nobody's in there. Nobody's there. I turn off all the lights. I walk 10 steps away and all the lights turn back on. By themselves. By themselves. And it's not like it's a motion detector type thing. Like nope. These have to physically be turned They're, on and off. It's an old mansion and yeah. you have old switches to yeah. flip yourself. So he just keeps going in and going out and the lights keep turning on and off on him. And yeah. he's just, finally he just gets to the point, he's like, I'm done. Yeah, I'm going to go get my burger and chocolate milk. <laughs> and that's when he comes over and starts telling us. And so we start asking okay. We're like, man, like, does this happen a lot? He's like, yeah, they don't like me over there. And I go, like, who's they? And he's like, yeah, there's two. There's an old lady and a and a, and little, a little girl. girl. And I was like, okay, those are the two things that you don't want. And, and we, like, were kind of prodding him to see what he would say. Yeah. And those are the two ghosts that we've heard haunt that mansion. Yeah. And so we asked him, have you ever seen them? He said no. He said they're always messing with him, though, whether things are being moved or the, like we said, the lights are turning on. Yeah. He said other security guards have been told to get out. Like they'd hear a voice in the dark telling them to get out. Yeah. So our goal with this whole Devereux Mansion thing is we've been wanting to do a podcast live from there. For Halloween. For Halloween. Maybe 2020 is our year. We're, I don't think we'll get it done by 2019. Maybe we'll have a surprise episode on Thursday. Yeah. We don't have anything going on on Thursday. 
we'll uh we'll put in a put out a couple flyers and yeah. see what we can do. We're we're still trying to massage uh, the situation to where our superiors let us spend the night at the Devereaux Mansion. And yeah, basically, we don't want to awaken the spirits and upset them because we're here late at night a lot. And yeah. if anything were to happen to us, nobody would know for like eight hours. Yeah. Um. But <laughs> yeah, he was telling us about how people would say get out and just all the stuff that happened and then as we were leaving we ran into um one of the one of the people on the cleaning crew yeah and she tells us uh and they got to clean that place they have to go clean it and i was like so have you had stuff happen to you she's like all the time she's like my cart moves all the time (laughs) stuff goes missing off of it the lights will turn off on me while i'm like cleaning stuff And she said that other people have had crazy experiences over there. Yeah. So that's Insane. pretty it's pretty nuts. No one's died that we know of, but the crazy things happen over there all the time. So that's just ugh, it's it's our white whale. Like we wanna check that place out for sure. Yes, we do. Um do you have any experiences that have happened to you? Do I? Yeah. Um I've had some weird stuff happen. Um so we we tend to do this a lot for people that have served missions, um, have been missionaries for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. I'm one of them. Um, I went on a mission to uh, Ecuador. And missions to, like, South America or, like, you know, Haiti, places like that, where it's, like, the bush or the jungle or whatever, for some reason, in those kinds of uh, areas... People practice, like, witchcraft. Um, Brujaria is what we called it. Um, Some people call it Santeria. But um, there was one night, long, long time ago, when me and my companion went to this house, and the person that answered the door was like, oh, you guys are missionaries. And that's not weird, because missionaries walk all over the place all the time. And so we're like, yeah. And they're like, okay, well, will you come inside? I need your help with something. And, uh, we go inside and, uh, this lady's like, my daughter's possessed. If you could like help us get rid of this demon, that'd be great. And I look at my companion and I'm like, okay, like this has never happened to me before. I couldn't believe it was happening. I'm like, well, we could bless this house or whatever and, uh, see what we can do. And, uh, as soon as I walked into this house, dude, it was just like this, like, heavy like dark kind of feeling in the house and i told my companion in english i was like we got to get out of this because it's like it's this is insane um so we go in there and the daughter's there just like sitting there um not talking not really looking up at us she throw up pea soup no (laughs) just projectile vomited in our faces uh no her head didn't spin around either uh, but she just like was weird and like wasn't answering. And so I was like, okay, dude, we're going to say a blessing, say a prayer and like get out of here. And, uh, as soon as we started like closing her eyes and praying, I swear to you, like, this is the truth. I could hear voices in my head. Oh my God. And I couldn't really, I don't remember what they were saying. Um, but I do remember like me feeling like, oh, this is like real. This is happening. Yeah. And, uh, we kind of hurried up and then we freaking straight up bounced and we just took off. Like 
Uh, yeah, I'm not trying to like mess with any of that weird stuff. Now, is it like, is it real? I don't know. I think it felt real at the time. Yeah, I th- I think stuff like that is. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I I think that there is enough paranormal stuff out there that stuff like that is real. Yeah. And like I don't know, you, it's hard to explain. Like, because I'm pretty, I'm a pretty skeptical person by nature. But um, what if I presented you, it to you as a conspiracy theory? Ghosts yeah. are created by the government. <laughs> Sorry, go Pen ahead. Trails. Uh, it's it's like until it happens, you don't like really believe it, and yeah. I was really the same. And so I still remember how I felt that night, and I don't. Like, I don't remember, like, what what I heard as far as voices go, but I do remember, like, how it felt. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, it's just, it's just, there's crazy stuff that happens. Is it psychological? I don't know. Um, is it spiritual? I don't know. But uh, I felt like it was real, and it's pretty crazy um, talking about it now, looking yeah. back. Now, you didn't get to go on a mission, or you didn't want... You didn't go on a mission. You don't need to justify. It's, it doesn't matter. Go. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah. Um, but in like the real world, like, you know, like first world country, does that stuff happen? Have you experienced anything like that? Um, I think it does. Uh, I've had experiences. My wife has had plenty of experiences. Really? So um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell a story about my wife and her family, and then that will lead into a story that an experience that my wife and I had. Wow. Uh, so my wife grew up in a home that was built by her ancestors. Jeez. Okay. So, uh, my wife's family is from Pleasant Grove. They basically settled there in the early 1900s, built this very old red brick house. And I think three or four generations of her family members have lived in that house. Interesting. Um, and so a lot of people have passed away and let's just say they haven't necessarily left. <laughs> um, okay. so how long has this house been in your wife's family? So it's no longer in my wife's family. Okay. They sold it uh, in 2008, but I think it had been close to like 70 years. Oh, wow. It was a really old house. Wow, almost 100 years. Okay. Um, yeah, so my wife and I started dating in 2008, and they sold it like right after we started dating. Okay. Um, And so, yeah, uh, I never had anything happen to me there, but there was always a really weird because it was just an old house uh-huh. um and it just kind of felt eerie yeah. um but uh there were times that so they had a basement and there were times that um my wife and her mom would be the only ones home and they'd be down in the basement doing laundry and they'd hear footsteps walking around and it was never anything ominous they right. always knew that it was family sure that was the feeling that they had was that it was family and they're friendly and they're just kind of watching out for them and yeah they never left their home. Still eerie. Um, but uh, there are pictures of my wife's youngest sister um, in the house, and every picture that they have of her when she's a little girl, there is an orb by her in the picture. What? Yes. Like, uh, so, like, if you sh- you could bring a picture with an orb in it? Yes. I, ha- oh, I have wow. multiple, yeah. Okay, cool. Any, and it's always inside the house. It's never anything outside. Okay, Every picture that they have of her inside the house, there's an orb by her. Wow. And it's always only her. Why? Why I, her? I don't know. That's crazy. How many siblings does your wife have? Uh, two. She oh. has two younger sisters. So, okay. But, like, her dad, no 
nothing like that. Her mom, nothing like that. It was always only mm. pictures of the youngest sister. And it was like when she was like a baby. Okay. Um, they moved out of the house when I think she was five or six. But anyway, just weird stuff like that. There was one time that um, my mother-in-law uh, went to go get a drink from the kitchen. And she was walking down the hall and bumped into someone. What? And she said, sorry. And then she turned on the light and there was no one there. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Okay. And so um, just weird stuff like that happening all the time. So because my wife is not a skeptic, she is very much a believer. Um, My wife and I decided we went to New England and went to uh, Cape Cod um, back in 2017. Okay. And Cape Cod is very old. It's like one of the oldest places in... The new world in in the United States. Like Pilgrim Old. Yeah. Which is like where all of like the Salem witch trial yep. stories take yep. place. So okay. we, we're about 50 miles south of Salem. If, I, if I'm if i remembering correctly, maybe it's like closer to 35. Anyway, so a lot of these, um, we were staying in a place, uh, I, I think we we're in Sandwich. It's where we're staying. But anyway, um, we were looking for some cool stuff to do when we heard about this ghost tour. And it was supposed to be the most haunted ghost tour in New England. And I'm like, okay, I am in on this. So we show up and um, we meet this guy in just a super eerie parking lot. And it's like six or seven o'clock at night. And all of a sudden, all the fog starts rolling in. Oh, my! like right as soon as like we start this tour. And so this guy takes us through. I can't remember what town it was in. We were staying in Sandwich, but. Um, the, uh, the town that we we're staying in, he basically took us through the town to all these individual homes and all these homes had been built in like the 1650s. Right. And he's telling us about like gruesome murders that happened during <laughs> yeah. the revolutionary war or people that were hanged because they were accused of being a witch yeah. or, um, someone who hung themselves because, uh, their husband died fighting the British and all right. this stuff. And so, um, we're going through, and yeah, I just kind of have this weird feeling again. It, fog is rolling in. Like, it's a <laughs> thick fog. And we get to this one house. Like and the mist over there. Yeah. <laughs> and we get to this one house, and um, he's like, okay, this house. They have police reports of people walking by, seeing a little boy trapped in this house, like, smacking on the window, saying that he needs help getting out. They have tons of police reports. Police come out all the time. <laughs> And so the guy tells me and my wife to go up and just go look in it. No way. And so I'm like, okay. And I go walk up. My wife freaking out. And so I just had this really weird feeling. I didn't see anything. Okay. Um, But then what we did after is right behind this house was this graveyard. And this guy said that it is the most haunted graveyard in uh, Cape Cod. Okay. So we go into this graveyard and he starts like asking questions out loud. <laughs> yeah. And were you guys like, shut up, dude, shut up. Yeah. And we're just like, oh, stop. You know, and I'm freaking out. And all of a sudden, like all these windmills and stuff, like just start moving, but there's like no wind. Oh my goodness. And then he's like, all right, I'm just going to leave you guys. And he just left us. And he's like, if you go over there, like you can, he's like, Sometimes people report seeing stuff yeah. or feeling stuff. I 
didn't see anything, but I swear I like felt that like I was being watched. Wow. So it freaked me out. And then he left and we had to go back and double back and like meet him at this jail. And he, um, showed us videos of this jail. Uh, it's the oldest wooden prison or wooden jail in the United States. And they would cram like 90 people in this thing. And it's like literally the size of this recording studio that we're in. So it's like jam packed full of like war prisoners and stuff. Sure. He showed us video of um, them inside this jail and uh, like his shirt is getting ripped. What? By like nothing (laughs) in the air. I'm just freaking out. He goes, all right, go in there by yourself and see if you can. He goes, little boy. Little boy, come out. And then he leaves. Oh, my God. And it locks the door on me. And I start freaking out. I'm, like, <laughs> pounding on the door. And I'm like, let me out. Yeah. Let me out. Anyway, he let me out. But I was so scared, man. I, I didn't last in there for, like, longer than <laughs> 10 seconds. Insane. But I would like to do that again. Uh-huh. Um, I would like to try and be a little bit braver. But at the same time, like, ugh. I've heard yeah. so many stories of, like, just things going wrong that it scared the heck out of me. <laughs> and, like, I remember the guy when we started the tour, he's like, I can't. He goes, he, like, made us sign this waiver. And he, I, yeah, anyone who's skeptical is going to be like, oh, yeah, he's just doing this to scare sure. you. But the waiver said something like, uh, I understand that, like, um, I may be, like, I may feel something. I may be harmed, hit, scratched, slapped, kicked. Yeah. Or pushed over, um, and that there is a risk of like a ghost following me home. <laughs> so the whole time I'm just like, oh, I'm not like that's that is the one time in like 20 years I've slept with the lights on was when I got back to the place <laughs> we're staying at, which was like an Airbnb. Jeez, for this home built in like the 1700s, like right Dude, on the beach. That's like the worst because it's like, you know, we we stay in hotels so much that it's yeah. like a sterile environment. It's like clean or whatever. But, like, you're basically living in someone else's home. Yeah. And it feels weird. Yeah. Like, Airbnbs can be nice, but they can also be really weird. I'm, like, every haunted movie, every scary movie <laughs> I've ever watched, like, starts with someone staying in a home yeah. with someone they know in New England, you <laughs> in know? In New England. And so, so I was just freaking out. Luckily, like, for us, nothing happened. I don't know what would have happened if sure. something would have happened. But nothing happened to me. Um, That's funny. My wife said she will never go back and do that again. I really want to. Yeah. I need to find someone to go do it with me, though. So if anyone wants to uh, summer at the Cape with me, you are invited because <laughs> I really would love to go. Um, but, yeah, so I don't have any missionary stories. I have sure. friends who have told me missionary stories. Do you have Do you have anything else that – Oh, you just made you before just I go on a story um, just because of, like, the old house thing. Yeah. When we used to live in Salt Lake in the Avenues, we lived in an old house. Like, Ooh, that's not The kind of houses that have, like, plaster basements, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And uh, You've told me the story, I think. I think I have. Yeah. And I might have mentioned it before, but it's still, like, one of the scariest things that's happened to me, like, for reals. Uh, and I was, like, 12 at the time, and me and my family got home late from some family function or something so it's dark out um it's pitch black our house we turn all the lights off before we left so our house is really dark but um my dad said that he forgot he didn't bring the house key with him so we're gonna have to get into our house to open the doors to get back home and um in order to get into our house 
you have to like open the garage and it was like one of those old not automatic garages so you have to like lift it up it's like a big heavy wooden door and so my dad barely lifts it up so i can get underneath and get into the garage and then inside the garage there's like this old like this little vent that vents the basement and so you have to slide the vent over and then you can crawl into like a crawl space in the basement of the house and i was so scared like dude i was terrified but my dad didn't care. He wanted me to go in because I could fit through the door yeah. to go open the, the house. And so I get in the crawl space, like kind of wiggle my way toward the basement. And then there's kind of a high drop down. So I like kind of hang on the the vent hole and then drop to the bottom of the basement. I land in the basement. It's pitch black. But my eyes are adjusted so I can see. So I just kind of book it toward the stairs that goes up to the main floor of our house. Well, at the top of the stairs, there's, like, an old radio that – and by old, I mean, like, 80s. So, it's, like, a yeah. boombox era. So, it's not super old. It's, like, digital still. But as I was walking up the staircase to get to the first level – the You're, like, main shaking. Level, <laughs> the main level of my house. Uh, I creep past the stairs and walk past this radio, and it flips on, and it's, like, super loud. And I didn't touch it. It's just as I walked by, it flipped, it flipped on, and I can't remember what song was playing, but I'm sure if I heard it, I would it would bring me like PTSD. Yeah, uh, because it was like this high pitched lady singing, and dude, as soon as it flipped on, I like booked it to the front door, and, like, holy crap, slammed it open, and my dad and my family like walked back upstairs to go in the house, and my dad's all laughing because he can tell I'm obviously scared. Well, anyways, we walk into the house and the radio's off and I told my dad what happened. And like, I don't know if he didn't believe me or what, but he like when they all got to the house, it was as if like nothing, nothing, nothing would happen. Yeah. Wow. It was insane. And uh, I still remember it to this day. I will never live in the avenues ever again. <laughs> it's a nice area. That's too bad. It's a nice area. Yeah. Um. Okay. I got one more. Uh. So I remember... When I was like a little kid, I was on a uh, on a um, scout camp out, and it was like the the big camp out that you have like every like two or three years or every other year, where it was like all the troops. Oh, so like the twelve through eighteen like a year olds, or something. yeah. So like all the twelve eight through eighteen year olds go on this camp out, and I remember we had um. We were staying in this cabin. I think it was up Little Cottonwood Canyon. Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, this is a long time ago. This is like 13 years ago. I'm trying to... I didn't know Salt Lake very well at the time, but... But it was up here. It was up, a, it was up a canyon up here in Salt Lake. <laughs> we're staying at this cabin, and um, we're all sleeping on the living room of this cabin. Okay. And they start telling ghost stories. Yeah. And these two stories have scared me so bad... <laughs> Ever since I was told them. So the first one, um, my best friend growing up, uh, his name's Tano, lived across the street from me. He had an older brother named Josh. And they had moved from Salt Lake to Pleasant Grove when Tano and I were in fourth grade. And Josh was like in ninth grade. Um, And so they were all going to go to Westlake. Or sorry, not Westlake. West High School. They were going to be West Panthers. Okay. Um, and they lived by the cemetery. Salt Lake Cemetery. Okay. And Josh was telling us about this time. Apparently, there's a a mausoleum in the cemetery um, 
that has like all this folklore surrounding it. Hmm. Anyway, um, uh, part of this folklore is that like if you get a group of three people, you're supposed to go take like the thing that's like most important to you and you put it at this mausoleum and um, it's like one of the three people gets what they want. If that makes sense. Oh, so it picks okay. one of the three to like grant your wish or whatever. The other two get it taken away from them. Okay. So they're like, like I said, I think he was a freshman in high school when this happened, but, um, him and his two buddies went out there and took it up there. One friend took like a basketball. One took like a picture of his girlfriend. And then I remember Josh took a football is what he told us. And, um, Josh, uh, uh, so they left all the stuff and like two weeks later, Josh is playing in a football game and he tears his ACL. Oh yeah. Okay. And then, um, a few weeks go by and his, uh, his friend's girlfriend like dumps him. I can't remember exactly what happened, but it was like pretty messy. Yeah. And then the third friend ended up like making the varsity team. Okay. For, uh, I, I can't remember exactly. Like I said, it's been a while, but they went back to go get their stuff. And like the football was still there and it was popped and the picture was ripped in half when they went to go get the stuff. And the basketball was just there like by itself. Wow. Yeah. Um, and then the other story, this one I've told a few times, I think I may have told it to you. Uh, but this other kid, he was a little bit older he was like 17 or 18 getting ready to graduate from high school. He had an older brother who had just returned from a mission. Uh, and he was serving in like Eastern Europe, like the Eastern block of Europe. Um, where, uh, where he served was like a country that was previously communist. So they had these big apartment oh, buildings like with Yugoslavia or something. Yeah. Something like that. I can't remember exactly where, <clears throat> but he, uh, when they were out, he was tracking through these apartments one day they're just going door to door in these huge apartment blocks. Um, and they go up the stairs and they had passed by the store so many times. And they always saw this old lady. She was always so friendly to them. They had never stopped by though. But this one time they finally stopped by and they knock on the door and she's so oh, hi. Yeah. Um, I can't talk right now, but if you guys would like to come back, uh, I'm available next week. So they go back the next week. She's like, Oh, I'm so glad you guys came back. Um, I actually know a lot about your church. Okay. And they're like, okay, uh, <laughs> we'd be happy. They're like, okay, golden investigator. Like, let's go in and start teaching her. So they start talking to her about what she knows, and she actually knows quite a bit. And she lets it slip that she had been being taught by the sister missionaries. But for some reason, they just stopped coming back. Uh-huh. And she tried calling them. She couldn't get a hold of them. And so she was just like, oh, well, like, maybe someone will come back one day. And she's like, you guys are it like I've been hoping that you guys would come back and this whole time they just have this dark ominous feeling over this place uh-huh. and so um, they're talking and uh, she is like oh you know what she's like I'm so, I've been so rude can I go get you guys something to drink so she goes back to like her kitchen and they like kind of like peek down the hallway and at the end there's just this door at the end of the hallway and um, 
they just had this weird feeling about it. And she comes back and like, so what is in that door? Is that like your bedroom? And she's like, don't worry about it. And she gets like super defensive. What? And they're like, okay, well, um, uh, we'd like to, uh, you know, ask if we could uh, say a prayer and um, uh, possibly come back. And she's like, yeah, you guys can come back. And she's like, would you be okay with us saying a prayer? And so they fold their arms, they start praying, and all of a sudden this door flies open and just this flood of darkness comes into the room. What? And she starts, like, speaking in, like, these, like, unearthly, <laughs> like, very deep voice. Uh-huh. And I can't remember exactly what they said that they said, but they just said they booked it out of there and never went back. They never went close to that even, like, part of the city. Oh, my gosh. Again, after that, because they were so scared. But anyway, I just remembered that because that was, like... Man, that is terrifying. Yeah. You know? I thought you were going to say, like, the door flies open, and it was her sex dungeon. <laughs> Just like... The gimp is waiting yeah, in there. Whips and chains. Uh, yeah, dude. That's crazy. There's, I've heard some stories, too, like, of other guys that have passed along their own stories. But, um, man, if you guys listening have any stories, uh, tweet at us. At us, be after hours. We love to hear them, especially this time of year. You know what? Spooky season. Let's plan on it. Let's record another episode Thursday because I have about four more stories I want to tell. Oh, for sure. And I haven't even gotten to like, there's a lot of like Hawaiian ghost stories. Yeah, I want to hear stuff like that because I love folklore of different cultures. Yeah. Um, In fact, so I got, I have a story that I need to tell about folklore from Pleasant Grove. Okay. Um, Does it have to do with your school? Yes. Because I think I think we've talked about this before. We have. My high school has something similar. Yeah. Really interesting. So we're going to talk about that. We're booking it for Thursday. Let's go. We are going to get Kyle Ireland on the podcast this week, guys. Um, I think we have time on Thursday. Things didn't work out last Thursday. We ended up getting a little bit busier than we thought. Kyle had to take off. But we're going to plan on it for Thursday. We also look ahead to Tuesday. We're going to be doing our uh, college football recap. Uh Uh-huh. Uh, so we're going to be talking Utah, Utah State, since they both had games and then previewing Utah, Washington, Utah State, BYU. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's going to be coming up in your podcast feed later this week. But um, I think that's everything that we have for tonight's episode. Uh, do you have anything you want to add? Nope. Okay. So stay tuned to those. Uh, like I said, we'll be dropping a couple episodes next week. Um, this has been uh, Sports Beat After, ha- After Hours. For Hema Hemuli, I'm Zach Hicken. Good night, everybody. Boom. And uh, hopefully you guys can sleep after that one. <laughs>